it's it's funny, you know, taking the taking a trip down liberal lane and trying <laughs> to figure everything out. Because you know, if you if you say if you talk about fur babies, you may think immediately of furries, and like yeah. maybe the babies of furries. And then <laughs> I remember when it used to be kind of a funny thing to talk about furries, and then I learned like that's an actual like yeah. kink that some people have, and it, and like making fun of them is like, hey man, everybody's got their kink. See, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna talk about a boogie boogie. I'm gonna play one. It's better off dad with Paul and Steve. And today we're talking about fur babies. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, here's here's the thing. That's speciesist. Not all pets have fur. <laughs> this is true. My oldest wants one of them naked cats. So Yeah, yeah. Or you know, lizards, yeah. turtles, fish, armadillos. Does does a catfish have fur? Catfish. <laughs> Fish ain't pets, man. Fish are just potential food for your pets. They're not. They don't. They're not pets. Pets. They're like a moving picture. We'll say when you get fish, you're not getting a pet. You're getting a chore. <laughs> uh huh. I, I talked as... to my kids about it. They're like, mm -hmm. yeah, like every once in a while they go, man, maybe we should get some fish. I'm like, mm -hmm. remember last time? Oh yeah. I highly. I highly. <laughs> I, whatever the opposite of recommend is, I highly that when it comes to fish. I think the it's decommend. About, <laughs> decommend. The other thing about fish, man, is if somebody finds out you have fish, you suddenly get all their fish stuff because they gave up. <laughs> like, I, have a, I have a basement full of aquariums now. <laughs> Eli's idea was he's like, well, maybe we should just put some water in the fish tank and, and decorate it because that's really what you want. What you're getting is... A, yeah. an appliance a, a yeah. work a piece of art that you can yeah. kind of customize yep the fish themselves now look man i know i can just see all the hate mail coming in now we're gonna get a bunch of cards and letters um <laughs> saying hey i have fish and it's like a hobby and i love doing it and it's like yeah that's okay that's you though right yeah. it's if you're an expert fish uh tender fish caregiver that's fine although we had fish when uh before we had kids and uh it it went horribly but i had the best idea ever which was to name them ron all the at least the ones that looked all, like we had several of these i don't even know what they were called they were like just regular fish looking fish and i said let's name them ron it's like all of them the same name i was like yeah we can't tell them apart anyway so and, when, and if you yell come here ron and one of them comes up hey, that's the one yeah Fish are basically like the screensaver to your art because you, like you said, you really build mm. the whole aquarium. You know, we had a whole SpongeBob motif. I bought all the little cool SpongeBob houses and stuff, and it had the the nice like like black light kind of uh, you know, rocks at the bottom so that it looked really pretty, you know. And I even had mm. like I took some pipe cleaners and bent them up and taped them to the back of the. I had a huge tank. 
taped into the back of the tank to look like those little like flower things you'd see floating in the background of the, the old SpongeBob episodes. Yeah. But the fish didn't think that was enough, apparently, because they just kept dying left and right. And I, you'd hear like, oh, don't get your fish there. They always die. Oh, all right. Well, where do you get them? Oh, get them over here. Get them over there. Bring them here. Die. <laughs> that's like, that's what fish do. Fish die. Um, maybe it's a good life lesson for children. Yeah, that's what happens, kid. <laughs> well, my kids have been exposed to a lot of death. Yeah. And I suppose that's a good thing because back in the back in the old days, uh, like, you know, the 1400s, I don't know, whenever, when we were an agrarian society. Um, you know, you grow up on a farm. It's it's nothing but death, right? Pretty much some you of just, it, some of it by your own hand. <laughs> so I thought I'd, you know, we got guinea pigs once. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know if you remember the story, but I'm going to I'm going to read you. A an essay I wrote at the time. This is called The Young Pets Died a Violent Death. I fix your hair because I know how to do that. I pick you up and hold you because I've done that a bunch of times and I know how that works. I tell you life goes on and death is part of life and we keep living because that's what we do. I don't really have any idea how to make it all better when your pets have died way too soon and way too tragically. My friend once said that when he doesn't know what else to do, he turns to his pen. So I will turn to my keyboard. Poppy, our beloved dog, our perfect family dog, our dog who the kids love dearly, whose death I've dreaded and worried about, though it is surely years away. She killed the kids' guinea pigs today. Please don't ask how she got out of her locked gate or how she opened the guinea pig's locked cage. Please don't ask why, after having been alone with them many nights, she decided to get violent today. I have no idea why the guinea pigs were not able to get away or whether Poppy meant to kill them or merely thought she was, or merely thought they were one of her toys. See, if I knew any of that, I might have prevented it. But what is, is. Nothing more and nothing less. I can't have prevented it. Sure, it was preventable, but I can't have prevented it. It's done. So now I'm left with regret and tragedy and traumatized children. Don't get me wrong. I couldn't care much less about actual guinea pigs. (laughs) I really couldn't. Heck, I'm sure such animals die horrific deaths all the time for food or sport or from neglect. I can't possibly worry about the death of a $28.56 rodent. (laughs) But the horror, the horror of being nine. Whenever I say the word horror, I have to say horror. Because if I say horror, it sounds like horror. Anyway, but the horror of being nine and the horror of being five and the horror of being the mother who returned home with these children to find... They couldn't wait. They were so looking forward to come home from school and playing with their pets, of holding a guinea pig, lucky in sunflower, killed by Poppy, their beloved dog. They found their new fluffy pets dead and their dog indifferent. So now I just have questions that cannot possibly be answered. Just how traumatized are my children? Will they? How will they feel about Poppy? How will I feel about Poppy? How long before we get some new guinea pigs? <laughs> Should they name the new ones Lucky and Sunflower? 
<laughs> I stroke your hair with my hand, push it off your forehead, smooth it down, because I know how to do that. I hug you and kiss you and tell you that I know it hurts. I listen to a recorded story with you of a man who turned to music for comfort after his tragic life. I know how to do these things. I do not know how to make it all better. <laughs> well, well, you know, eight years later, we know how everything turned out. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> plot twist, you did. You did know how to make it all better. Yeah, well, we didn't get new guinea pigs. That's, um, one, that's one step. That was a good step. Poppy eventually succumbed to her wounds uh, in 2020. She was a fighter boy. Um, she was. Oh, yeah, that reminds We'll get back to the guinea pigs in a second. But that reminds <laughs> me of the time Poppy got in a fight with a raccoon. Mm. And uh, I went out. So we hear the kerfuffle out on the deck. Mm. And I ran out there, grabbed a chair and like a mop handle. <laughs> and I looked like a lion tamer. <laughs> Fighting this, <laughs> trying to chase the raccoon away or whatever. And oh, uh, see, I had the I had the image of you coming in like in wrestling match with the chair just <laughs> coming down <laughs> off, off the you know like was, off the rail of your. It's like in every cartoon where you got the lion tamer and the whip. Yes. He's got the chair with the whip and everything. That's what it's. So um, the raccoon runs away. Poppy, we had to take to the vet, like the emergency mm -hmm. vet. She had to get stitches. She had had the big cone of shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, we'd go, oh, poor Poppy, that raccoon really did a number on her, right? A couple days later, Poppy stinks to high heaven. We're like, why does Poppy stink so bad? Couldn't figure it out. So we give her a bath, and then a couple days later, she stinks again, right? Uh, I know so where this is going. <laughs> one day, I'm out in the back, uh, just kind of, you know, picking up some sticks or something. I see Poppy just rolling around, like in the middle of the, in the middle of the woods, just rolling on her, you know, dogs would get on their back and just kind of squirm back and mm -hmm, forth, you know? Mm -hmm. And I go over there, I'm like, what is she doing? It was a dead rotten raccoon that she was just rolling yeah. in, right? Yep. Like, I'll and show you. Like, There's nothing more triumphant, right? She's like, <laughs> that's right. I killed, it's like, Poppy, you, you uh yeah, Poppy had to get stitches and all that stuff. And Poppy's like, you should have seen the other guy. He yeah. was dead. I killed him. And I didn't just kill him. I rolled around in his dead corpse and wore That's him right. like a prize. <laughs> he smells like this, you know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it was crazy. We had a back back where the um when my kids were all in elementary school, back in the corner where we would wait for the bus. Uh, one one day I'm sitting out there and we got all the little ones. I mean, this is like young elementary school. Well, there's this big, big, beautiful husky that, you know, real friendly, right? Well, it had gotten out of the, the, the people who owned it. It had gotten out of its house and come up and the kids were all wanting to come up and hug it and pet on it and stuff. But the, the funk beat the dog to the, to, to the area where we're all standing. And the kids are like, oh, come here. I'm like, no, 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 go away, go away. And I'm like trying to shoo away the stinky dog that I know had been rolling around in a dead animal. Well, the, the person that owns the dog comes rolling up in their vehicle, whistles for the dog. The dog jumps into the car and then drives down a couple, like, like I don't know, five, ten doors, takes the dog upstairs. I assume to give a bath. And I looked at the lady standing out there with me. I'm like, that they're gonna have to wash three things now: <laughs> the, dog, <laughs> the car and your house. <laughs> wow! 
because who does that? Who who puts a stinky dog in their car? I know, right? <laughs> um, okay, back back to the guinea pigs. Yeah. So yeah. death, like uh, when a pet dies. I think one of the reasons to get a pet is is dealing with take well responsibility, taking care of something else. The fact that they're just awesome, like having a pet, you know, brings joy and love and into the house. And if nothing else, it it dispels boredom. <laughs> from time to time absolutely but you know it's, it's the joke the joke we have is when you buy a pet you're just basically signing up to be really sad at some point in the future yep yep <laughs> um which is which is kind of a metaphor and i you know i did that on purpose with the kids like i used metaphors and jokes and things to kind of really do things on purpose meaning you can live your life and never really get all that sad but that just means you're not bringing any joy into your home. So, you know, these guinea pigs was the first major tragic death. Like we had had bunnies and one of them died and actually sat Eli down, got him some milk and cookies. He's like, Ooh, milk and cookies. So he's eating milk and cookies. And I, you know, I'm fighting back tears and we tell him, you know, the, the rabbit died. Right. <laughs> Remember when we were kids when you said the rabbit died and meant somebody was pregnant. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of rabbits a, died in my in my family. That's another story. Um, but you know, Constance and I are fighting back tears, and he's just sitting there like, okay, takes another yeah. bite of cookie, you know. And I'm like, death doesn't phase this kid. Should I be worried? I found out years later, I asked him if he remembered that. And he's like, Yeah, I remember that. I didn't know what I didn't know what you meant by the rabbit was dead. Like after we got done talking, I was kind of like, Well, guess I'll go play with Tony. And then I couldn't <laughs> find the rabbit for days and days, and I was like, I don't know where the rabbit went, but <laughs> Maybe, I wonder if it had anything to do with that conversation we had. <laughs> I, I think there's a threshold for kids, which is one of the reasons why I don't um, I don't necessarily condone the idea of taking small children to funerals, even if it is like aunts and uncles and stuff that they're attached to, because up until they're probably six or seven, it doesn't mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. you know it's like um well you know i want to bring them along because i want them to be able to you know say their goodbyes they said goodbye yesterday when they left their house they're not that you don't why why make them see this that they don't even understand and can't process the only thing i could say is it's not as much for the kid as it is for other folks to see the next generation like it's part of the ritual it's I part guess. of the Part of the life goes on, but I mean, it's an individual choice, right? If somebody, if a parent's like, yeah, but my kids aren't here for your benefit. So yeah, you, you want to see my kids, you want to see my kids coming to my house. Yeah. Why do we, why do we gotta, why do we have to wait for funerals? (laughs) Um, so, so, so that, that essay that I just wrote Uh is basically saying, uh, to me, what it means Uh to me and by the way, once I've written something, it I don't own it anymore. And it, it can be whoever, whatever you want to take away from it, right? But that's here's what a, I take away from it. <laughs> that's a Japanese philosophy about haikus and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We should write some haikus later. Oh, yeah. The once was a man from Nantucket. Uh, <laughs> but wait. Wait. Huh? That's too many that's syllables. A, a limerick you. <laughs> I'll find a smaller town with fewer syllables. The... Um, so here, here's my philosophy on this stuff because we've had other pets die since then. We've mm-hmm. had you know two dogs die. We've had 
un, uh, limitless fish, like fish after mm. fish after fish has died. A hamster, wait, two hamsters, um, and a couple of horses that um, we've gotten close to have died. One very recently, actually, a couple of weekends ago. And I wasn't as close to this one as the one before, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you get close to horses. But anyway, mm-hmm. so here's the here's the thing that they always did that I remember when I was little. And I decided, like most of our parenting advice, I think, is like, do remember how they did it when you were little? Do the opposite. Yeah. What they used to do is like try to make it like, like turn away from it. Like, don't face it. Just, it'll be okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all right. Don't be sad. Don't cry. Don't don't feel bad. Don't have the emotions that you're having. Just push right. it down, bury it, like like yeah. anybody else, like any self-respecting human. Like say things like, "Well, we only had those. We only had those guinea pigs like a week, right?" Um, and and so you know, say things like, "Well, we only had them for a week. You shouldn't have gotten attached already. You probably weren't that attached. You, you know, just say crap like that, right?" Yeah, yeah. But when dealing with death. I think you got to face it head on because I don't care how old you are unless you're about to die. <laughs> well, actually, I will say this. If you're still alive, you will deal with death again. It may end up being your own, but <laughs> kids are going to face death throughout their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the tapestry. And you don't mm-hmm. need to know as a parent in that moment, just do what you know how to do. You know how yeah. to comfort, you know how yeah. to, and don't deny their emotion. Like if they're like, oh, it hurts so bad. Be like, I know it does. If they're like, but I'm really sad. It's like, yeah, me too. I know. That's a mm-hmm. normal feeling for you to have. Have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have that well, feeling. Right. You know? Your feelings are valid. I, I, I learned much later that that is actually, uh, I, uh, my friend Mark had sent me a, an article about trauma and dealing mm-hmm. with trauma. And he mm-hmm. said that's one of the mistakes. The one of the origins of PTSD is when somebody experiences trauma, and and our natural human reaction is to try to pull them out of it and minimize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that causes it to be unresolved, according to this one guy's theory, some psychologist. Um, it causes it to not to resolve. Like if you don't have the moment and have the feeling in the moment, yes, you need to be comforted and taken care of in the moment. Right. But Mm -hmm. you don't need to be extract, you know, like our modern, like as soon as somebody's in a car accident, the faster the ambulance gets there, gets them out of the car, gets them, you know, it's like your entire experience is very clinical and medical. Whereas you need somebody there sitting there with you while you experience it. I didn't learn Mm -hmm. that until much later. So it turns out the guinea pig situation, I was doing the right thing. So I told you. In a way, I think that the, the way that, our parents helped us deal with these situations was their way of not having to deal with the situations. Mm-hmm. Just well, rush it well they the didn't rug. know how, if you don't know how to do something like generally most people I'll say mm-hmm. when they don't know how to do something, they avoid it. Yes. Instead of starting what, which is, which what I do. And I think what you do is if I don't know how to do something, I'm, I always think the first thing I think is it's not like I don't know anything about it. Right. 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 I know something. I, mm-hmm. I know something I can do. Even if I walked on a, 
you know, a building fire. Like I'm no firefighter. Right. Right. But I could do something like I, I know, I know how to call 911. I know how to look for victims and get them away from the fire. I know how to comfort somebody, you know, Yeah. whereas other people might walk on that fire and go, I don't know what to do and just freeze up. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's bias for action. And and leaning into the problem. Mm-hmm. Have you had any pets die recently? <laughs> <laughs> um, Super fan James used to call my house the place pets go to die. <laughs> yes, nice. I've, I've had numerous fish. I had a I had my a little dog Thor. He he died terribly, and oh, yeah. my 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 kids were fine with it. They were because again they were they were younger. And it's like my my uh, Atticus was fine with it until his dad wasn't, and then because <laughs> that was a that was a hard one because he was such a he was a, he was a little teacup uh one of those little teacup poodles you know, mm-hmm. and we we only had him for like six months but my kids knew him his whole life because he was their grandma Becky's dog and when she went to the hospital hospice care nobody nobody wanted this dog and i'm like are you kidding me who doesn't want this dog it's like the size of you know a a, a gerbil yeah so we you know so the kids knew him his whole life and that that was a pretty that that was pretty rough but we buried him in my parent you know because my parents have a nice backyard so we buried him back there he's got a little angel tombstone um fish yeah left and right and the craziest thing is i mean I, i spent so much money on fish did all the right things and they they would just bloop 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 float to the top get caught in the little you know bubbler thingy yes and uh (laughs) i just i I finally had to had to get rid of i I sold the tank when the last fish died that's it kids no more fish and the, the most insulting thing about the whole thing is the amount of money time and effort and learning that I put into, you know, keep trying to keep these fish from dying. We have this uh, pond, like in the middle of our complex, that like all the water from the, uh, you know, side the, the the parking lots will run off into. So it's chock full of motor oil, antifreeze, windshield wiper fluid, God knows what. And when the when the sun hits that water, the goldfish, woo! They, and there's thousands of them just come floating to the top. I'm like. So I should just fill my tank with sewage, apparently, to keep my fish alive. <laughs> <laughs> that is frustrating. <laughs> it really is. I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm just so mad about this. <laughs> like, Dad, can we get fish? Yeah, go look out the window. See, there's your fish. There's your fish. You know, what will probably happen is our kids will find significant others who love fish and are good at taking care of them. And our kids will be like, no, we, I'm not getting fish. They just die. And, the, and the, their SO will be like, no, we're getting fish. And they'll get fish and they'll be fine. And then they'll be like, I don't know what my parents did to the fish to cause them to die, but I'm so glad I were met they, you. Were they, were they just, were, did they just hate fish? My, <laughs> my sister had, what are those koi fish? The You see like in the Chinese restaurants and stuff. She had these big koi fish in a, a, a pond she made in her yard 
that would freeze over in the wintertime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. thaw out. I'm like, and I can't keep a damn fish alive in my tank. <laughs> I wonder what they named first, the pond or the fish? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so what is the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> Which came first, <laughs> the pond or the fish? <laughs> oh, that could be our haiku. What Ooh. did they name first? The pond or the fish? Fish, fish. Fishes. I used, I used to love writing haikus when I was a kid because oh, yeah. it's like it's like easy. All I gotta do is make the right number of syllables. Like, look, poem. Yep, five seven five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. More recently, we had, um, of course, we got Basil, who was already half dead when we got him, mm. and he was an awesome dog. We had him three years. <laughs> He never should have lived more than six months know, after we right? got him. He was like 13 when we got him. Mm. Um, so he was great. And, you know, that was sad, too, because one of the hard things is putting a pet down, right? Like mm -hmm. having to decide it's time. And with him, he had like some really bad musculoskeletal problems. Yeah. And we and we think maybe diabetes, although it was undiagnosed. Um but he just like couldn't even really walk. And one of the things that helped is when we were sitting in the doctor's office, like waiting for the person to come in and get him to go kill him. Uh, <laughs> he he walked he walked around on the floor, pooped, peed, slipped, and fell in it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "Well, that makes it easy. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be no. living after that." <laughs> and then and then Poppy, right in the middle of the pandemic, right in the middle of quarantine, June of 2020. Uh, the kids and I ran to the store and came back and she gets off the sofa, comes walking into the kitchen and just, boom, falls over like a sack of potatoes. And I was hmm. like, oh, crap. So Eli and I pick her up, put her in the car, take her to the vet. As we're taking her out of the car, she just pooped all over the place. I was like, oh, this dog's dead. Yeah, so a... <laughs> that's that. Um, yeah. And then Frankie recently, he. He he has some sort of genetic disorder that causes him to have ruptured discs, I guess, easily. Mm -hmm. And I think he was jumping around and like, you know, slipped a disc or something because he his hind legs just stopped working. So mm -hmm. he's our black cocker spaniel. He's only three years old, mm -hmm. and his back legs just kind of it was gradual over the course of a couple of days. Like it just looked like he had hurt a leg, and then the legs seemed to be getting worse. And I was like, well, I guess we should take him to the vet. And then, you know, then we, when we're taking him to the vet, he just couldn't even walk, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we took him in, they did x-rays and confirmed it was slip discs. And so he's been on cage rest for the last week. And he's getting yeah. better. And he's going to a neurologist next Friday. And I'll bet you I will spend more money uh, just <laughs> set, stepping foot into that neurologist's office than you spent <laughs> in years of fish. <laughs> <laughs> We we were yeah. going to go on a little uh, ski trip this winter. We canceled mm -hmm. that because we're like, well, that money's going to go toward probably whatever it is Frankie's going to need. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, man. So, yeah, you when you get a pet, what are you doing? You're signing up to spend a bunch of money and be sad someday. Yep. <laughs> I hope we've given people good advice on how to deal with pets. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> or at least deal with grief. Yeah, well, I think that's the that's probably the underlying theme here, right? Because uh -huh. um, 
because it's going to happen. We've lost a lot over the last few years, you know, just mm-hmm. family, not, and I don't mean just to death. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean to life circumstances. Yeah. Um, and so my kids are going to know how to deal with loss and grief and, and all yeah. that. So, and you know what they're not going to do? They're not, not gonna, gonna do? They're, they're not going to tell their, their children or nieces and nephews or whatever, just, just get over it. Don't worry. It's, you know, just, just push it down and bury it. No, they're going to be the right. ones that are basically going to take what you told them, mm-hmm. ramp it up to about an 11. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait. I just hope I'm around long enough to see it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I used to think, oh, I just got to get my kids raised. Right. And then yeah. now I'm like, no, no, no. I got to live at least, you know, what are we fit in our fifties? So now I'm like, oh, I need another 30, 40 years so I can watch how this all turns out. Yeah, you want to see them thrive as adults and, yeah. you know, take take a bit of pride in it because a lot of it is you. A lot of it is, yeah. you know, the parents yeah. raising the child to be an adult and see what they do with what you've taught, how they've made it better. Yeah. And we get to be the grandparents we wish we had and we <laughs> wish our kids had. <laughs> yeah, because one, one I'm I'm not racist, so there's that. There's that. <laughs> That's the first part. <laughs> so, I don't know. We do the best we can, and then uh, hand it off to the kids. Let them do the best we can, they can. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, we we break one cycle and start another. Yeah. Well, and Andrew Vax used to say that the uh, that children are another chance to get a flawed species right. So I tend to follow that. Nice philosophy. Well, we're not going to do any better than that. Um, so go do what you know how to do. When next time you face a problem, just start with what you know and uh, go from there. That's it. We are better off, Dad, with Paul and Steve. You know, we're just trying to figure out how to do the right thing when things are hard. But it shouldn't be this hard. <laughs>